0: You're listening to the Kitchen Garden Magazine podcast, your fortnightly fix of gardening features, advice and chat. Subscribe and follow us now to never miss an episode. Martin Fish is one of the UK's most respected and loved horticulturists. He has been a regular on TV and radio for nearly 30 years, while at the same time a prolific writer in national magazines and books. He is active on all branches of social media, and he's always on hand to guide the newcomer or the old hand with down-to-earth and practical advice. Hello and welcome to the Who's on the Grapevine Pine with me, Dan Hayes, and my very special guest today, Martin Fish. Um, so Martin, big part of your, um, your work, I suppose, is all these garden shows, and obviously you've Got to do none this year and it's not just it's your work it's kind of part of your life i imagine nowadays doing garden shows and and, and small garden shows as well garden clubs etc etc
1: yeah it's it's been a, a strange old year hasn't it really dan mm-hmm. i mean all the garden shows uh pretty much were cancelled you know back to last spring um you know they're moving on malverns chelsea's Tattons hamptons mm-hmm. Uh, were all cancelled so yes it, it's I, I work there judging at most of them but I also do talks and Q&A sessions and demonstrations so yeah it's a big mm. part of my work and, and life through the summer months so yes it was a, a real shame for everybody concerned you know yeah. the exhibitors the show organizers the visitors everybody um, and it sort of followed on a bit really because then in the autumn I do pick up and do lots of gardening talks for garden clubs and mm. WIs and U3As all that type of thing and of course they've all been cancelled as well. But what is, I suppose, a little bit <clears throat> of a saving grace is quite a few of the garden clubs have embraced Zoom. This wonderful yes. thing that none of us had ever heard, well, I certainly hadn't told No, no I had not no, um, never. You know, I remember Zoom as being an ice lolly when I was a kid in the 70s. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's how old I am. Um, oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so yeah, quite a few clubs are doing Zoom. And, and although it's, it's a brilliant way of keeping in touch and communicating, mm. Not quite the same as being there in person, to be fair, but now I enjoy it. So yeah. we've got to wait and see now what happens in 2021. You know, certainly the RHS and other shows, Harrogate, um mm. and I had a meeting with the other day,
0: they're all, all planning shows. So we've just got to hope that things calm down and they'll happen. Well, it should do. I'd say, fingers crossed. I think we're moving towards the end of the tunnel. How far that we got to go is another thing, but I think they're all getting, obviously having a, um, a vaccine, can't do any help. But, um, yeah, I think, and I, and I think it's good that they are, I suppose, planning that hopefully they can do in some shape or form. It may not, be, it may be a couple of years until we can get back to how we were. But I think in some way, shape or form, it, it's got to work, as you say. So that's good news, good news. Because, obviously, it kind of you've brought out your new book this year as well, didn't you, the um, Gardening on the Menu, which would have obviously been quite a big part of any of your talks, I would have thought, certainly yeah, with the local yeah. groups, which is a bit upsetting for you
1: yeah it um it it actually came out a couple of years ago but it's done very well so we Mm. had a reprint this year so sort of relaunched it reprint made just one or two minor adjustments Mm. to it um so yeah and and i suppose the timing was pretty bad on that in a way because we we took delivery of all these new books in march (laughs) middle of march yeah And the plan was that that was the stock really for all the summer shows that we'd be working at. And then, you know, Jill and I do quite a lot of joint talks. We do Hmm. talks on the stage, um, cookery and and gardening. Um, So, you know, we would have used the book for that and then for garden clubs in the autumn. So it, it sort of. Brought that to a bit of a, a standstill. But the good thing about books is, you know, it's, it's going to be there. It's not anything mm-hmm. perishable. We've been doing fairly well on on internet sales. So that, that's sort of kept the books ticking over. And hopefully we're planning things that we can do for next year to be able to, to promote and sell the book. Because I think there's a, there is a big, certainly a big movement as a result of COVID this year, where lots of people that haven't grown vegetables and fruit are suddenly growing their own which is great Uh, it's getting people into horticulture they're getting their hands in the soil getting them into the compost and i think and i hope that that will carry on i think when people get the book and realize how lovely it is to be able to pick something out of your garden and eat it fresh they'll want to carry on doing that so you know i think that's possible possibly a positive that's come out of this Mm. terrible situation we've found ourselves in so the book that You've mentioned is called gardening on the menu, and it is all about growing fruit and veg. So, I cover that side of it, I keep it fairly simple. It's how to get started, and it's you know, it's a range of fruit and veg, and best conditions to grow them in, and how to get a good crop. And then Jill follows on with some recipes well, lots of lovely recipes, how to use your fresh produce and get the very best out of it. So, uh, so yeah, it's still there, um, and it's, it's ticking along nicely. But hopefully, next year, when
0: we can get back to shows, we we'll better get selling it again. Yeah, because yeah, that brings us nicely on to, obviously, you were nominated this year in the GMG Awards, the Garden Media Guilds, for your Pots and Trowels, which is, is obviously there, so it's on Facebook and YouTube. It's a, it's a very good way of actually showing people what they can be doing at the times of year and, and not just growing fruit and veg, but in their gardens as well. So it's, it looks like fun. Do you, where did you get the idea for that from?
1: Well it's sort of been an idea that's ticking along for a long time I mean I've been writing for a long time uh, for magazines such as Kitchen Garden for example and and doing things at the shows and radio for 20 odd years and and back in my sort of previous life I used to do quite a bit of regional television for ITV and the BBC for for about 12-14 years I did little snips that went into programs news programs or you know gardening programs for itv um that hasn't happened now for a few years but i still do some work with one of the cameramen and directors that i used to work with at the bbc in the east midlands sean Um, and he's a brilliant chap is sean and he's got his own little production company and we do some commercial videos for various people that i do work for and it was i think we were just sitting having lunch you know a year or two ago and said we ought to be doing our own little videos, you know, there are gardening programs on the, on there, but nobody can cover everything. And we just wanted to do the basic gardening tips that probably aren't always seen, I think, as glamorous for lots of gardening programs. Mm. So that's what started it. And we, we filmed them in our garden here up in North Yorkshire. Uh, we've done it slightly differently through lockdown. So we've been self-filming and Sean's been doing the editing. He's down in Nottingham. Um, mm. So we've sort of set up little remote cameras and various things and uh, yeah it's basically every week it goes out pots and trowels it's um, just jobs and tips from the garden so as you say it can be fruit it can be veg it can be growing flowers taking cuttings pruning propagation whatever's seasonal at the time really and we do a few live ones where we answer people's questions a bit like a question time session and they've gone really well and um, so we, yes we uh, were nominated for Garden Media Guild. Uh, we were finalists, we didn't win, um, but we were finalists and we were really pleased about that. So next year we'll, we'll up, the, up the ante and see if we can win it. You were robbed. But, well, I, I can't yeah. say You that were wrong. robbed, yeah. Well,
0: to be honest, it's, um, the competition for such things as uh, it was under, yeah, vlogs, vlogs, as you say, the videos, is actually, there's a lot of competition out there to actually get as a finalist, It's quite a great privilege, really. It's it's it's, there's a lot there's a lot of them out there, and you've got a lot of competition. So I think you should yeah, right, be very proud you got there.
1: Yeah, we were, we were, we're in the top. uh, I think it's four or five, Um, Um, and it's like you say, we it was we did it in the vlogs and the blogs hmm. category. In hindsight, maybe we should have gone. There's another category for sort of TV broadcast, but we didn't really think we. Fitted mm. into that one, um, but there are lots of blogs, and it, it's quite difficult for the judges as well. I'm sure judging a you know a visual yeah. thing against a written thing. Um, but uh, when I think we could have gone into the, the television category because although it isn't television, they class YouTube on there, and lots of the people that do YouTube videos weren't on there. So maybe
0: next year we'll yeah. go into that category. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Because um, another thing about your book, I uh, know I've asked you before about because you obviously you self-publicize a lot of. And a lot, a lot more people were seemingly coming around to that idea of publishing their own works because of the greater control you can have over it. And I know you've said before, obviously, of course, it comes down to if you want to print a small run, you've got more control then. Whereas if somebody else owns the rights, you can't necessarily do it because they're looking to do big runs to make lots of money, whereas not always right for everybody.
1: Yeah, I I I mean we did look at options to be fair. And I, I in the past I've written um three books for publishers as part of series where I've I've written them, get paid my fee, um and that's it then, you know, you get your free couple of copies, you get your fee, yeah. and you see them on the bookshelves for a while, but then they disappear quite quickly because there are so many new books coming out there from from authors. Um, so when we decided to do this one, Jill and I, we, we wanted it to have some longevity because of the nature of the work we do. You know, we've opened our garden for groups for the last mm-hmm. five or six years, we work at flower shows, we do clubs and societies through the winter and uh, autumn and winter months, so we felt we'd got a bit of a captive audience for our work. And I did talk to a couple of publishers um, part of it is they they like big names and I'm not a big name. I've been in the industry a long time, but I'm not <clears throat> a big name. But also yeah. I, I found that you see the books on the bookshelves and within a season they're being discounted and then they drop off the end of the bookshelf because there are more books coming along. And so it has, I feel, a very short life um, as a commercial entity out there in the book world. And we didn't want that. We didn't want it to be a six-month wonder. We wanted it to last for a few years. So that's why we went down the self-publishing route. And we we wanted to keep it local. So we found a a family-based business in North Yorkshire up at Settle, uh, two q t who are amazing to work for they 've got a background in the publishing world and design world and magazines and books. So we basically, Jill and I, wrote all the copy. Uh, We did all the photography. They did all the design and sorted printers out and everything like that. And it worked really well for us. It does mean you've got to put some money into it, of course, Um, but we were quite happy to do that. But it also, from our point of view, we had 100% control of what was in that book. We weren't having to work with sub-editors who were saying, well, you can't do that, or there's not enough pages, we'll cut that out. We wanted the book very much to reflect our garden and our gardening and jules cookery um without being over edited so and it worked very well and they they sorted it out for us and we initially had um about uh I can't remember, I think it was two and a half thousand printed, they've gone, and then we've just done another print run of a thousand. We own the the, the rights, mm. copyright, and everything, so we just run them off as we want them, and you know, we'll probably keep it going for another hopefully a couple of years, and then we're thinking it might do version two. So, you know, it will then
0: continue on, Guarding on the Menu 2, the sequel. Why not? Well, it's a very good book because I've got it myself, you've very kindly sent me a copy. It's very good, and it's very nicely laid out, as you say, it's got a nice homely feel about it, rather Mm -hmm. than some of them are very, very polished, which is fine. And it's interesting you saying about that, because probably maybe the biggest name in gardening is probably a man called Monty. And I did notice the other day that his books have been heavily reduced on Amazon. And I made the comment that actually, you could probably, certain writers, you could probably buy it off Amazon, for instance. It's at such a reduced price, you could probably buy the book from Amazon and sell it back on your own website at the normal price make more money which is a, a ludicrous thing but yeah. it, it happens because as you say unfortunately you're not in control of it it's the publisher if they want to let it be discounted they'll let it There's, obviously christmas is coming but it's, yeah. it's really that you think that, that can happen but
1: yeah and sure. i think how it works is they will have a stock of books the publisher will control it they want to shift those books because they've got more publications coming along so they just Cut, cut the price, it's just to get rid of them, basically. And i I wouldn't be in that situation. But, and, and again, as you say, ours isn't a coffee table book. It is a very much a practical yeah. guide. That's what I am. I'm a practical horticulturist. Yeah. There's nothing polished about
0: me, Dan. You know, I get there, oh, I get my hands surely in. Surely not, surely not. <coughs> no, you are right, though. Yours is, I like that. The, 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 um, as you say, the coffee table, the big, shiny, look at these lovely, glossy photos. Yours is what? I can see you've got a bookcase behind you. I, I haven't got mine installed behind me. But it's more the sort of thing that you're going to find in someone's kitchen that they will grab and i think that's a good thing it's something that people will keep and refer back to time and time again whereas as you say the the coffee shop thing that gets lower and lower down in the list of books uh, on the coffee table and as you say you might not even notice it because it's got too many on top of it but that's excellent stuff all my reads gives you unlimited access to more than a hundred specialist books from history to mystery Rockets to royals, planes to trains, bikes to biographies, and much, much more. Access the digital books across multiple devices, including your desktop, tablet, and phone. All My Reads is just 4 per month. Visit allmyreads.com to find out more. Browse the extensive range of titles and try your first month for just 99 pence. Get ready to browse and begin. Right. Quick question for you. What do you, what's the greatest length or depth you've ever gone to for your love of gardening, Martin? Oh, blimey. Oh, I'm a... sure there's something there that you kind of think, oh my, did I really do that?
1: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. from a practical point of view i'm just trying to think on the heel here um is when i made i suppose a, a big decision was when i suddenly decided to give up my job as a head gardener i was only mm. in my 20s early 20s um and decided to go go it alone that was in those days quite a big decision mm. Um yeah. you know, i i and it was partly for partly financial reasons because as a head gardener I don't know what the wages are for head gardeners now, but then it was really, really poor. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't basically live on that. So I had to do something. So I I gave my notice and started up my own sort of gardening business, which then within a year or two, I made a big step, which was to say, right, let's really put the boat out there and bought six acres of land to start a nursery and then develop some gardens, which then, as it happened, went into writing and and radio. So that was a, a big move at the time to do something very different and radical you know I could have stayed as a head gardener and probably moved up the ladder for the rest of my life and and probably been retiring on a pension soon but I wanted to do something different so I think yes it was a big big risk you know to the sort of Hmm. me and the family and to think right I'm just going to say blow it all buy six acres of land and start the nursery that we had in Nottinghamshire um so yeah that I suppose that was probably one of the big big things that I've done. Yeah,
0: that's yeah I, 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 if I'm being honest to you, um, I'm more of a landscape in the garden now. And that's purely for money as well, unfortunately. You kind of, being a gardener, you're kind of not stuck in the hourly rate, but there is only a certain amount of hours in a day that you can give. And if you're doing an hourly rate type thing, you are, yes, you say, you, unfortunately you're. unfortunately you're done into it. But I'm not so sure that head gardeners of some might be, but I don't think it's um, still a massively well-paid job, let's say in the kind of the public world as in working for companies I, I don't think it is I'm sure if you're a head gardener for the National Trust or someone mm. you may be but there's very few opportunities for those sort of things to be honest so yeah no, i have play a fair you the same as me you, you've just got to get up and sometimes do it I, I
1: think the problem is gardening and horticulture is underrated as a profession. It's, it's generally thought uh, mm. anybody can be a gardener. Yeah. And it doesn't help by the fact that you know, you're a professional horticulturist, I am, and there are lots of excellent horticulturists mm. out there. But in, in a way, it's, it's a job that anybody can do. And there's such a lot of people that suddenly get to us time in their life and, and I'm not dissing what they're doing because they're doing it because they want to.
0: Mm. But
1: they will give up a career in, in something completely different. Yeah. And become a gardener and set up as a gardener, jobbing gardener. And, and I don't think that helps the industry on the whole because it, it devalues it slightly yeah. uh, to people that have you know trained on their apprenticeships, college and trained for years and years to do it. And, you know, people think gardeners don't need to be paid a lot, whereas you'll pay a painter, a decorator, an electrician, mm-hmm. a joiner, a plumber, a yeah. car mechanic. A completely different amount but you know in, in, i'm having a bit of a soapbox moment here now dan but i know you trained at college we trained at the same college Mary's Mary's Bird, Bird. yeah um you know and you you do all of that to to get your professional qualifications but there's not always the financial reward there so that's why i think people deviate and do different things
0: no i agree often one of the most common things is someone comes out of it which obviously has given us zoom so we shouldn't complain too much but um but you are right i often say to people there are gardeners and there are uh, horticultural gardeners. There's someone who can tell you what the plant is. And there are people who are they're perfectly good. They can mow a lawn, blow the leaves up, tidy up. But you wouldn't let them prune your roses, for instance, your prized no. rose. And um, but as you say, not all people. Unfortunately, the general view of people is they generally see who was the cheapest. And then funny, I tend to get phone calls then saying, ah, right, we had this lovely garden and it's just been decimated. Or... I do some work, and they say, "Oh, that's never flowered before." And you think that's probably probably because somebody just cut it back in the winter time, and just cut off all those lovely flowers. As you say, most most flowering shrubs flower on last year's growth. I mean, not all of them, but a vast majority. You cut off if you start cutting it back in kind of autumn winter time, you'll never see a flower on it because you just cut it off. But um, this is the thing. Got another one. I know when I spoke to you before, um, Martin. You actually had a Granny Smith, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yes, I, think, I thought that was wonderful, the Granny Smith. I know it is a, it's a type of apple as well, but it's often that, oh yeah, it's Granny Smith's garden. But that's where you got your, I suppose, first love of gardening from? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think so.
1: I mean, my, my mum and dad had a garden, but they weren't, I wouldn't say they were avid gardeners. My dad was more when he retired, but certainly when he was young, it was a case of, you mow the mm. lawn, prune the roses, put a few bedding plants out to keep it tidy. But my, my grandma Smith... Uh, my granny Smith as you referred to her, um, she lived in just a little cottage in the next village to where I grew up in Nottinghamshire. Um, She'd lived there all her life and she'd got a big plot of land that got half an acre. The front garden was mainly um, very much an old traditional style garden. She didn't know much about gardening but she got cuttings and seeds and things self-seeded so it had all the lovely loopings and honesty and all those old-fashioned cottage garden plants there was an apple tree in there and um, a few roses and shrubs and then on the back my uncle Colin um, he did all the veg growing at the back and kept a few hens and at one time a few pigs so I used to go down there as a child used to cycle from the village we lived in Down on a Saturday I would spend the day down at my grandma's house I'd go down on my rally chopper um, and cycle down there it was all downhill from where we lived Uh, and I'd spend the whole day down at my grandma's uh, and used to love it and then sort of when it got to late evening um, my uncle used to used to have a, um, a van and he would stick my chopper in the back of his van drive me three or four miles home but that was it I just loved being out in the garden with grandma and my uncle Um, and we'd go walks because it was in the middle of the countryside we'd go walks up into the woods and I think it was that that instilled in me this you know love of being outside and the countryside i i i hate cities and i you know i have to go to london for meetings and things but i can't get out of cities fast enough to be fair i, I like to be able to see green fields yeah. and trees and and hedgerows and i think that comes from my childhood um and uh, so yeah and that sort of developed it all and, and i suppose what
0: set me on a, a route to become a gardener when i left school when i was 16. Mm we can't be much age different because i had a chopper when i was young as well and they you're right downhill they would be fine but they weren't the best bikes to try and ride up steep hills with no. that wonderful gear system in the middle of it
1: exactly yeah and if you slipped off your seat that gear system was quite yeah, painful uh, yes,
0: were, were you a mark one or a mark two dan well i would have had one in the late 70s so i think i'd have been a mark two so maybe right. i had to go faster stripes yeah i i
1: was early 70s i think i got mine in 71 so yeah uh,
0: I was no, definitely I thought, a Mark One. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, no, that, yes. that gives us the age difference then. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because I went to Merriswood in the late, uh, it would, sorry, I went to Merriswood in the early 90s. So uh, very late 80s, early 90s. So as you say, and, and the place itself has changed a lot. When I went there, there was quite a lot of courses still. They were still quite horticulturally based, whereas now it's, it's kind of evolved to much more than that, mainly being a large golf course. So they yeah. do a lot of that. But it's, it's interesting how these things have evolved. It's a well-known college across the world in many ways. But it's Ooh. interesting how it's evolved. And it's still doing horticulture. But obviously now there's, there's you can do golf there. There's now, uh, arbor, um, well, there's still arboriculture. But there's obviously the, um, you've got the animal has, has taken oh, over that kind yeah. of life. Yeah. So but it's just very interesting how the place I haven't been back there for a long time, but it's certainly evolved a lot since I was there.
1: Yeah I mean it was amazing I loved it I was there in uh, 8, eight like 79 80-ish um mm-hmm. And it was, before that, I did my my day release college in Nottinghamshire, a college called Mm -hmm. Brackenhurst, which was a brilliant grounding. I still keep in touch with one of my lecturers from 78. Uh, In fact, just had his card arrive uh, from Peter Mallet. And it was amazing. Then I went off to Mary's Wood and it was, it was the the college for landscape and for nursery practices. And it was a fantastic grounding. And it was in the days when a full-time college course literally meant full-time, you were there Five days a week, you know, nine o'clock till four o'clock. We used to have Wednesday afternoons off to do sports. But then we used to do sat every other Saturday morning. We were in college doing idents and, and tests and that type of thing. So it was brilliant. We used to get to work on the nursery in the evenings and nights. That was all part of it. So you, you were literally full time. I think we probably did more in one year full time there than you do
0: in a, a three year degree. I, I think, yeah, because a lot of the time they spend... Oh, you got a free session now? Yeah, I, I can remember. I Used to work down the um the kind of farm on a Friday, and I can still remember him. The last time I went there it was a few years ago. I can still see the dead hedging we he did many 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 years ago. Uh, as I say, what it's like now, I don't know. But um, I know it's, well, it's a wonderful place. And I'd say it's something that I hope that young people still think that they can you can make a career out of it because you can. It's not all about as you say the earth uh, thing, but, uh, but it's all fun. But reminiscing's fun. Talking about you, saying about your chickens and the pigs at Granny Smith's place. Do you have, I know you've got chickens in your garden. Do you have any other type of animal? Um, no, not at the moment. Well, other than a dog, we've
1: got a, yeah. a spaniel, Molly the Spaniel. Um, so we've always had dogs, always had hens. We've got some hens now, but we, the layout of the garden, we, we, we haven't got the land now. We've only got three quarters of an acre. Whereas when we had six acres, when we were in Nottinghamshire, mm-hmm. we did keep pigs So uh, Jill and I used to keep pigs, um, which again, we used to love doing. We used to just buy them in as wieners and and rear them. And it's just, you know, we love pork and it's just homegrown pork. Tastes absolutely wonderful. We used to have a few sheep grazing on the field from time to time as well. But at the moment, no, it's just hens for a few eggs, that's all. And then Molly, the mad spaniel that runs around the garden.
0: Yes, I I have Bella, the mad spaniel, who likes to dig where she doesn't dig. And, but then that's most dogs, isn't it? Especially spaniels. Uh, eyes and eyes bigger than their tummies is all I should say about most spaniels. And anything's a goal. Super job. Would. Right. I think. Um, did you ever find your a copy of your signed copy of Percy Throwers Autobiography? Because I know we discussed this before. and You lent it out, and you you've still never got it back, have you? All these years later. No, I haven't,
1: no, and, and I've, I've been, since we spoke about that a while ago, I've been racking my brains as to who I might have lent it to, yeah. and I got the board. It was a signed copy from Percy Thrower. Was that as, a, as a teenager, Percy Thrower was big on television. He, yeah. he was the gardener. You know, you didn't have all the gardening programs that we've got now. You had one or two gardeners, and Percy Thrower was the main gardener. Um, and I remember meeting him at the Chelsea Flower Show. It might have even been my first Chelsea Flower Show, Or if not first or second, I I think in fact I might have been an apprentice. So I'd have been 16, 17. We were taken down from work down to London and it was quite late in the afternoon and the show wasn't that, didn't seem as busy in those days. And he had a stand there promoting his books. And I um, had a wander up to him and had a chat to him and bought his autobiography. And he was a lovely chap um, Mm. and he signed it for me, wrote a nice message in it. And I had it for years and years. Uh, read it a couple of times and it was literally from his life as an apprentice you know back in the in the 20s and the 30s and his life through at Shrewsbury and all the television it was a really interesting read and I lent it to somebody years ago Um, and you do these things and you know you you say borrow a book and Mm. they normally come back but obviously this one didn't it's not on the bookshelf anymore and I cannot for the life of me think who it to, went to and I, sh- I could buy another one I'm sure second hand one off the internet but it was just the fact that they'd written a personalised yeah. message in it yeah. Percy Thrower, which was something that was really nice so uh, yeah. yeah, no I don't so if anybody is going to be listening to this and they've got a book signed to Martin Fish then could I have it back I'll swap, you. I'll swap you <laughs> for a gardening on the menu and a signed copy of gardening on the menu there you go
0: okay you, you, you can't fail with that can you because I say um, I remember Percy Thrower from um, obviously used to watch Blue Peter when Ooh. I was young, in the um, yeah early '80s, he was the uh, gardener on, and it's interesting you say you could walk up to him because in many ways now you don't, you do, but you don't. But as you say, he was probably the biggest name in gardening around that time. Yet he was approachable, whereas I'm not saying people aren't approachable now, but you couldn't necessarily do that with the big names now, if you get my meaning. It's it's, it's maybe how the world has changed a bit. Obviously, the media world is taken by storm. But as you say, you've I think you'd struggle to go to, let's say, Chelsea and walk up to a, a very well-known gardener and do that. You probably could, but I imagine there'd be a very, very big queue. And yeah. some may not necessarily want to do that, which is fair enough. As you say, they have their own lives to lead as well. But it's maybe a way the world has changed a bit, necessarily not for the, the best, I would say.
1: I think we we live in a very celebrity-led world, don't we, at the moment, with everybody who is wants to be a celebrity, so yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a lot of our gardening Personalities are very approachable, but they just get, like you say, big crowds around them. But it was Percy was there on a stand. It was in that sort of avenue where they have all the 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 sundries. But is it the the, where the London Plains are? There's an avenue at the back Mm -hmm. of the show gardens, and it was a a, with all about the publishing group he worked for. And he was there was nobody there. He was on his own. So some of the I was with our park superintendent and a couple of the other lads that had been taken down for the day. And they said, "I bet you don't go and talk to Percy Thaw." So I said, "Yes, I dare." And we had oh, a lot. Well,
0: yeah,
1: they stood in the distance, sniggering at me. But I thought, "Well, I've got—I've well, got a nice signed copy of a book and a
0: nice conversation with Percy." Life is very much, I think, about as you say—is um, you can't—you have to work with that card you got dealt with to a certain chance. And as you're saying, you have to sometimes grab these opportunities because they may not necessarily come around again. Quite no, exactly. So, and, yeah. and I think that's true of all things in life and in gardening as well. You have to try things. Gardening, I think, is wonderful because although there's lots of ways to say certain things will grow in certain places, like wherever you live in the country, it is quite good because there are quite a few occasions when something that shouldn't grow where it grows does grow. And there is no rhyme or reason to it sometimes. It, it just does. And I think that's the wonderful thing about gardening is sometimes just give it a go. You, you may be surprised. absolutely
1: yeah and I think that's as we said earlier has happened a lot this year people through necessity or being at home bored and whatever the reason they've, they've gardened and and i think they've enjoyed it and realized that you know everybody can grow something um which is great and i think the the fruit and the veg side is is really important i think it's just to know where your fruit and vegetables come from, from for children to go out and pick a lettuce a tomato an apple off a tree dig up some carrots or new potatoes from the garden is a is a wonderful feeling um and you know i've been doing it as a job for 40 odd years and before that you know since grandma's garden so i'm going back you know almost 50 years since i started gardening with my grandma um, and i still love that first root of potatoes i dig up every year you know it's wonderful you're it's almost a surprise you know they're going to be there but it's a, a wow factor that you're digging up these lovely clean tubers so yeah no it, it, it is amazing and it's just it's got that feel-good factor to it as well i know one of the buzzwords at the moment is well-being and it does make you feel good gardening gives you that buzz probably you know not today i've got to go out later and put some plants out in the client's garden and it's a miserable wet day here but even so you can still get some pleasure out of that i'd sooner do it on a dry sunny day but to go out in the garden moving the plants around just feeling the plants always makes you feel good
0: oh yeah for me i love it when my i put uh, autumn garlics and onions in and I still love it when you a few weeks later they poke the little green shoots out. Ooh. And it's a wonderful thing. As you say, you know they're gonna do it anyway. And as you say, you know there's a garlic there, and it doesn't mean they're gonna grow fabulously for next year. But it's just that wonderful feeling that you this thing it's oh it's brilliant. Oh, it's my little my little garlics are there. As you're saying, just, just as you say, well they're all, all as you say, the world nowadays loves to have little words and little pockets to put things in. But um yeah, I think it's it's something and I think it's it's, it's Parents have got a lot to play in it as well because I grew, I had a granny, not Granny Smith, I had Granny Joy. She wasn't necessarily the most joyful person, but they, uh, the different generations used to have the bottoms of their gardens as allotments. Whereas nowadays, um, space is the problem, but we had bigger gardens back then uh, generally. But um, as you say, I think it's the thing, it, it's my children... They're not massively into it, but they do enjoy it. If begrudgingly, they'll come with you. Once they're there, they're, they'll be away for two or three hours down the allotment. Normally, mm. finding bugs and things like that, or oh, the lovely, a friendly fox will come out to see if he's got anything to eat. But um, and I think I think yes, you need people on television and the media, maybe schools maybe need to try and put. I mean, you do basic science at school, but I don't think they do any horticulture. Most schools will have a garden club, but I don't mm. think it's on the national curriculum. Horticulture. No, and it tends to be
1: done, I think, at sort of primary level, not so much at secondary. And I think that's where there needs to be a push to to do more secondary gardening, so that it then filters people into think of it as a possible career route. Because I think you know you do it when you're young with your parents and, and at primary school, but then you sort of forget about it. Mm. Um, and we need to get people channeled to thinking of this as a, as a career because it is such a wide industry. You know, it's not just gardening and landscaping, okay. the science side to it if, you, if you're scientifically minded, you know, all the micropropagation and all the growing technology under lights. It's a huge field, is horticulture. Um, but I still think even just doing it like you're doing with your children down the allotment mm. or what they do in primary school, even if they don't do any gardening then for a while, it, it sort of implants something into their mind. I mean, my my eldest daughter, uh, who is well, she's thirty five now. She lives in New Zealand. Um, she was been out there five years. Before that, she was in the police force in England, uh, went out, started a new life, and we've got two lovely grandchildren out there. She grew up with me being a gardener and seeing mm-hmm. me doing things, um, but then didn't really garden throughout her adult life until she's got her own children. And now in New Zealand, they've got a veg plant, and you know, they're picking strawberries now, because obviously they're upside oh, yeah, they're down, right. aren't they? they yeah, out there, yeah. so it's their summer. So they're just picking strawberries and you know sowing all their vegetables yeah. and things, and they've got a little, and and she's just basically picked up from where she stopped off all those years ago. So, it is vital to do it in the early years, and hopefully, it just implants it into their brain that it is there for later on. So uh, that's great. I think we need to get yeah. all this gardening of
0: all ages. Yes, I was going to say you have to bring the young on because you can't. No one, no one goes on forever, unfortunately. And as you say, you need the young blood to come through. Oh, no, it's all right. Finally, have you got any any? plans coming up, Martin, you can tell us about? Anything exciting developments that you'd like to...
1: Exciting plans? Well, our our exciting plan at the moment is um, we are moving house. Um, We've been here for nearly 12 years. We moved up from Nottinghamshire from the old nursery site. We've got this site here. Um, We moved up when I was uh, running the Harrogate flower shows. Um, and we've developed the garden um, and sort of opened it to the public for the last six or seven years, and NGS and, and various charities that we've supported. And and I think one of the things through lockdown, it's made everybody think about their life. And I've always said when I get to sixty, which is only just over a year away, we would mm. do something different. But I think this year's made us think we'll do it a little bit earlier. So we decided to put our house and garden on the market. Um, a couple of months ago, and it sold very quickly. And we haven't actually found what we're looking for. What we want to do is another project, essentially. We yeah. want to do another garden. But I want to do a garden with a difference. Um, that's my plan. Um, so it's still to get somewhere, uh, either to build one or to do up an old cottage with a bit of land with it and mm. do a new garden while I've got time. I want to plant more trees. I love trees, Dan. And I've always yeah. wanted... I'm not going to have enough room to plant an arboretum, not but room, I would like no. to plant... Sort of a choice collection of some of my favorite trees including um you know, um liquid amber merriest uh which you know is the village where merriest wood is yep. i've got i've got a sort of selection of trees in my brain that i want to plant uh and uh so that's the plan so we're, we're going to rent in the village we're going to rent a house in the village till we find the right property and then we can start on the next adventure of our life and doing another garden whether it were the last one or not i don't know but we're going to do another
0: garden so yeah that's quite exciting and something to look forward to I say, you staying in yorkshire or are you looking kind of looking a little bit further afield or we, um, we,
1: we, like, we like where we are in North Yorkshire. We love the area, we love the village, we've got some really good friends here. So if, if we can, we will stay here. It all depends on the property and that's why we decided to rent because we can't find what we're looking for now. So we're gonna rent and then we can just wait hopefully the right property comes along if it happens to be somewhere else the perfect property you know we've got we've got family back in Nottinghamshire we we haven't ruled out a move back to Nottinghamshire but I think our first choice would be to stay up here if we can and I do a lot of work in North Yorkshire I do a lot of work for the great Yorkshire show the Harrogate show Mm -hmm. still Um, Harlow Carr I'm an advisor at Harlow Carr so I would like to stay
0: up here and that that's the plan, so we we watch this space. that's all I can say, well, we should we should wait to hear and as you say we and we'll keep uh upight on all your social media, so I'm sure we'll um, we'll soon know it at least seems to all people. I was chatting to um, Steph Hafferty the other day, and she's moving as well to Wales, so and funny enough, so am I. I'm actually finally buying somewhere, hopefully fingers crossed to touch wood, and I can have my allotment at home after all these years of earlier Sunday. so um, Lots not happening. But um, I wish you the best of luck doing it. And obviously, yeah, we'll keep um, we'll keep updated with you and see how it happens. But um, yes, it'll be it'll be strange leaving your garden as you've got it. As I say, i the pictures on the interview we did, and uh, it's a lovely looking garden. But um, and uh, I say, say, I guess you're gonna have to stay. Kind of, I'd love to say you could come down to me in, in Berkshire, Hampshire, Surrey, but um, I don't think the uh, the price of land down here to plant your um small arboretum is probably. A, a little bit more expensive than it is in Yorkshire, unfortunately. Well, uh, having said that, I think we're,
1: it's not cheap in Yorkshire. It, it's, it it's, ah. No, it's, we're in a very expensive part of North Yorkshire, but its uh, we'll find what we're looking for, I'm sure. No, you'll North- find
0: something. You it you might even be something you never even thought of. This is exactly. the fun of it. Sometimes you've got to have a slightly open mind and think, I can do that. So, um, well, thank you very much for joining us, Martin, and um, wish you good luck in your house, moving everything going forward with the book, and um, hopefully we'll catch up with you again one day soon. Thank you very much bye
1: if you enjoyed this podcast you can subscribe to kitchen garden prime for just 4.99 per month you'll be getting a whole lot for your plot including an easy read tablet and phone edition to read anywhere anytime exclusive access to 10 years of digital back issue archives access to exclusive content from the online allotment the mudcateers website plus the monthly print magazine will be delivered free to your door each month Head to classicmagazines.co.uk forward slash
0: kgprime to sign up today. Hey Mel, Bri here. Got to work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Hey Mikey, if you're going to puke, find the popcorn bowl!